in the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish and Alex Clancy. Welcome, everybody. I don't know if my mic's on or not. Uh, Rebound Radio, Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Um... We weren't here last week. I was at a wedding. Yeah, I know. I know. But we're here this week. Yeah, and we have a great guest today, Tom Hoover. Yes. A former NBA player, former agent of the Stars. Uh, he's ingrained himself in the New York City um, world in regards to the NBRPA and uh, helping children out with employment opportunities. Uh, he worked with the uh, New York State Athletic uh, Commission. Yeah, yeah. And when he, when he got into uh, boxing a little bit. Yep. Um, I'm excited. It's coming up in about 15 minutes. Yep. 888-346-9144. Once again, Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. You can follow Matt at Rebound Talk on Twitter. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Go to voiceamerica.tv. Click on the big re- uh, Rebound logo in the middle of the homepage. And um, you can see a lot of videos that we've put up over the past year. We've been doing this for a year. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been I've been having a blast doing it. It's unbelievable. I like getting out there and making a difference and, and doing so, uh, uh, learning a lot of these great stories. For, for those of you that do not know Matt Fish by name, first of all, you, you should do some research, number one. Number two, I went to UNC Wilmington, led the nation in uh, field goal percentage his senior year, won a championship in the CBA, played in the NBA for four years. Just uh, three years, uh, but made it to a variety of teams in those three That's years. That's 100% that correct. But, I mean, you did play for a lot of great coaches. Yeah, I did. So you played for Pat Riley yep. right in Miami. Mm-hmm. Was Greg Popovich – where was Greg Popovich on the well, bench? When I got drafted to the Golden State Warriors, That's Popovich right. was on the bench. That's right. Yeah. But you had pretty much a cup of coffee in Golden State and then got traded, correct? Right, right, right. Well, it was uh, – uh, I went up to um, uh, Portland and was trying to make the team up in Portland back then, uh, even after getting drafted to the Golden State Warriors. So uh, that's where I ended up heading up there, trying to figure out any room in the end up there, and then uh, started taking the CBA route and uh, made the all-rookie team that first year. Second year, won the championship. Third year, made it back to the NBA. So. So that was kind of my route, just a, a little hiccup in the road, but uh, it was great to be back. I feel like a lot of people would yearn to do what you did for uh, in for your professional career. Got to play overseas, got to play in yep. several different countries. I did. Um, you know. South America, I think, was yep. the best, as we talked about. We talked about a lot of different places <laughs> that were great and unique in their own ways. At the same time, uh, basketball is basketball, and it's a universal thing, and I was glad to be able to go overseas and play there as well as play here. So uh, uh, I miss it. thought you could do it forever. Can't, so still try to stay relevant and in the game and, and sharing all these great stories, uh, learning about you know, how, how these guys are transitioning, and that's an area of interest of mine. I, I try to help these guys make sure they're getting the right uh, um, transition programs that are out there and getting you know involved with the right uh, organizations that will help them transition. So that's a desire of mine. And uh, I teach as well, so I'm doing a whole bunch of things. Yeah, and um, we're all here because of the National Basketball Retired Players Association, yep. uh, primarily uh, Rebound Magazine, which is a publication that Matt Fish started six years ago. It's a quarterly publication 
um, that focuses on former athletes, Q and A's, yeah. exposes, things that it's a resource. It's a resource for former pro athletes they can use for any transitioning athlete because we all have the same type of stories. So you know, basically making sure that all the opportunities are brought to them, not just ones that the NBRPA themselves have signed a big contract with. So I'm just basically trying to make sure I'm picking up any holes in any places that are missing and making sure that these athletes who are my members and I'm a peer of have all the opportunities that are available to them. Yeah, and he's the Phoenix chapter president. Yep. Uh, there's 11 of those. Uh, hoping to be, hoping to double it in the next. I was what in seven or eight years. Well, I mean, they're, it's, they're I know it's it's moving fast. Yeah. Uh, the membership has grown exponentially yeah. over the last. It's it just hit its 25th uh, 25th anniversary, 25 year anniversary, if I can speak correctly. Yep. So things are moving year. in the MBRPA. It doesn't have as much exposure as all of the other um, f- retired players associations that are around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, primarily the uh, the N- NFLPA. Uh, RPA, but it's doing a lot of great things in the community. A uh, lot of community outreach, a lot of charities. Matt, Matt works with different charities. I mean, he oh, do yeah. five or six events a year, right? Big yeah, ones. We do, and uh, proudly taking a, a lot of interest. We, we bring in uh, opportunities to say, hey, look, we're behind this because of the better of the good. And so not only that, we step up and do better of the good. And so we have a variety of different programs that we've done over the years. I know most recently doing um, um, uh, the school readiness kits for the elementary students or for the incoming uh, um, kindergarten was a fun one that we packed up all the bags and I brought my daughter out there. We've done that most recently uh, in partnership with Valley of the Sun United Way, but it continues to move most recently. We were with uh, you know, the Final Four, and they did the $300,000 restoration at Harmon Park over here, and they left a park behind with Steve Coulter. And so Steve Coulter's actively uh, being the CEO over there, running that place, making sure that it does all the great things, serving 18,000 people a year. You know, So uh, they have a brand-new renovated uh, core and they just did that over the final four. So I was happy to have Steve uh, making a big, big uh, difference in the community. Uh, here's the funny part. Here's the only story I can come up with that place. Back in the day, and I was still playing, I was playing in a league down there. And this guy was going up for a rebound, but he was on my team. So I thought it was okay to go over his back. And in doing so, I grabbed the backboard and pulled down it and shattered the backboard. And they ca- gathered the glass up, and they put it on the uh, um, uh, bulletin board out front, put my name on, under it, and said, Matt Fish shattered the backboard. So uh, that's my story about that place. I was talking to Fat Lever. He said, nah, they renovated it so nice, there's no way you're going to break the backboard. Well, everything's shack-proof now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But yeah, did it say, was there a bill underneath? <laughs> so this is the broken glass. Matt, you broke it, yay, 500 bucks. Well, the first thing I said was, how's the insurance around here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Rebound Magazine, uh, that's how this uh, station, this, uh, this uh, show started. Yeah. Matt and I met. Uh, it w- it'll be a year the 21st. I saw on Facebook yeah. the year thing, yeah. the memory thing. We sat in a room for 15 minutes, had instant chemistry, didn't know each other, had never met. Yep. He told me his vision. I told him what I could offer and how I wanted to be a part of it. Shook hands, and it's been uh, magic ever since. Well, it's nice to be able to do it in partnership with the MBRPA, but at the same time still have our own direction and be able to help in areas that even the MBRPA itself can't help. So, you know, just making sure that we're covering any holes that are out there and trying to search for any that might not be out there. Or, you know, I mean, we have to have people out there making sure that difference, all the differences are being made. So I don't want to limit it. Yeah. You know? and the, and so the, I'm trying to do, you know, I've been trying to do that for some time now, the rebound. Yeah. And the uh, differences made is very cliched. I mean, it, yep. it, it does, it gives the broad spectrum of quote unquote everything. Yeah. But the little tangents that the NBRPA holds is 
uh, drug and alcohol abuse help or prevention. Oh man, there's it's uh, finances. It's it's em- you know any kind of addictions. Employment. It's, uh, depression. It's employment. It just goes marriage counseling. Yes, it just goes on and on and on. There's just a barrage of different issues you know that these guys get hung up with, and uh, and I'm just trying to make sure that all these programs are made available to them, and a lot of them don't even know that they're available or out there. So you know it's just a matter of also exposing it or, or showing them or being around the guys, going to the games, going to the events that they're going to, and making sure that they know and they're aware. Of the, of the different things that are uh, out there for them. They have no idea, and there are. And it goes from the NBRPA, it goes to the NBPA, it goes you know, beyond that. It goes uh, on and on. And I don't, again, I think that if people think the NBRPA itself is the only, it's not. There's more. But the NBRPA is there as a definite cornerstone as a place that you can help transition. But you know, I'm here also pushing other opportunities out there. Don't limit ourselves as former pro athletes. Yeah, Matt has never been late for the dinner bell, ever. Matthew Edward, never late for the dinner bell <laughs> right, fish. Right. That is going on some plaque that I'm going to put, I'm going to give to you for your birthday. You see the size of me over here, right? Yeah. He is, he has gazelle legs. And I'm sure he, you, you said you used to push down your younger brother, right? Well, and older, my brother. older brother. Oh, sorry. I wanted to give yeah. him a little credit. My apologies. My older brother. But he's the type of person that would try to take a charge in a pickup game or call three seconds. You're like, dude, we're playing one on one. You can't take three, a three-second call. Yeah. <laughs> He's <awesome>. Mom! <laughs> then I he get was it. trying to implement the Charles Barkley rule where you could, I couldn't back him down. I'm like, dude. <laughs> so a little bit about our guest coming up, Tom Hoover. I alluded to him earlier. He should be calling in the next couple minutes. Played in the NBA for a few years. Was a sixth yeah. overall pick in the 1961 draft, I want to say. That's, it's, yeah. I, I believe. Um, went to school at Villanova. So the first question I will ask him, he doesn't know this yet, is where he was sitting during the game-winning shot in the national championship game. Um Interesting guy, uh, multifaceted. Yeah, did not. And we, and we talked about we talked to um, a couple guys where the NBA career was just a platform. You know, it wasn't the end all be all. It wasn't. It, it wasn't like okay, I'm going to go work at a Jiffy Loop now because I can't play in the NBA anymore. They used it as a positive platform to catapult themselves into the rest of their lives, for lack of a better phrase. And Mr. Hoover is another one of them. Well, you know, and that's and it's the right, and you're doing the same thing. Yeah, I he's, mean, but he's my mentor, man. I'm watching the things that he's done. He's been doing it for so many years. Don't hear Dwight Davis. Don't let Dwight Davis hear you say that. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I think he might he might be Dwight Davis. Fair enough. He might be Dwight Davis's Fair mentor enough. too, mostly because he's been doing this forever and ever, and he's been doing it in a variety of ways. And we're going to learn some of them today. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, he was even the manager of Richard Pryor and the Spinners back in the day, and Natalie Cole. So think of that, you know, and and, and all the stories he could tell. Uh, I, I sat down one time with Tom at, a, at an event. We were at a, a, a president's retreat. I think it was over in New Orleans or it might have been Vegas, but we sat down and shared a bottle of wine. And in doing so, I learned so much in such, such a short amount of time. It was just, I was just sat back and enamored and had been uh, ever since trying to get him on the show. And finally, he, he's offered to call in. So I'm looking forward to him sharing uh, some of his knowledge, some of his background. I mean, even just to learn maybe like how they traveled back when he played for the New York Knicks. You know, what was it like? And then I can compare it to how I traveled when I played for the New York Knicks. You know, it'd be uh, interesting to know that uh, it's a lot different. And even now, how they travel is different than how, how I traveled. And it's completely different uh, how Tom traveled. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, completely. I mean... They had to get up and walk and carry their own shoes up hills both ways in the snow. Yeah, there was no that. such thing as hazing then. <laughs> no. You know, no. everybody did yeah. their own stuff. So um, 
New York State Athletic Commission. Another mm-hmm. thing that he did, he took, he took an interest in boxing, and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask him more about that. I do not want to uh, – I'm just going to tease that for now. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's lived a very interesting life, and um, I'm really excited to uh, – 1963 draft, Syracuse Nationals, number six overall. I was off by two years. Um, so you're aging him. But he played, uh, <laughs> he played in the NBA, and, and, he, and he catapulted it into the future. So uh, really good things happening. We're going to take a break in a couple minutes. Um, I hear that we have Tom. We're going to take a break right now. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to cut it off right away. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. On the other side, we will have the Mr. Tom Hoover. I'm excited about it. We'll be right back. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. 888-346-9144. Follow Matt on Twitter at Rebound Talk. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Check out the voiceamerica.tv webpage. Click on the Rebound logo in the middle of the homepage. A lot of videos on there of My Ugly Mug interviewing old players, uh, <laughs> older players. Uh, Matt doing the same. Yeah. A lot of great stuff on there. 
we're trying to hit all prongs of media. Yeah. And I think, we're, I think we're getting there. So, uh, yeah. on the line, As we promised. talked about... 10 minutes before he got on, so he didn't hear what we said. Uh, Mr. Tom Hoover, former NBA player, sixth overall pick in the 1963 draft to the Syracuse Nationals, former Villanova basketball player. Mr. Hoover, the first question I'm going to ask you, where were you when Villanova hit the game-winning shot in the national championship two years ago? Uh, I was in New York watching the game. What was your, what was your reaction? Well, I knew he was going to make the shot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And not because he was a Villanova shot. You right. know, not because he was Villanova. It was because of the fact that nobody picked up the ball coming down the floor. Nobody stopped the ball. It was the same thing uh, this past year with North Carolina. Right. Nobody stopped the ball. Well, you don't stop the ball or, or harass it coming into the uh, forecourt and allow the guy to dribble all the way down, pass the ball off, and then he just lines up the shot. He's got to go. Well, he pitched it to him, didn't he? Just right into his bread basket. It was just, yeah. just you couldn't line it up any no, better. It, it was a good shot. I mean, the form and everything, it, it was just, I said, yeah, that's gone. And sure enough, it went through. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I was here, and I watched it, and I was ecstatic, and I told uh, <laughs> Jay uh, when I saw him last summer, I said, that was a good move. It looked like me. He started laughing. <laughs> of course, it wasn't. But, uh, yeah, good shot. It's a good move. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the knowledge. Uh, you're a mentor of mine. I'm always looking up to you. I'm running things out here in Phoenix, but you've always ran things out there in New York. And it's just great to have you on. Uh, name a couple of things you've been doing lately up there uh, with the New York Metro chapter of the NBRPA and working with Tiny and all them. Uh, what's a couple of things you're doing? I know you're always up to something. Well, we've got uh, the food bank we uh, deal with every Saturday where uh, we have set up uh, partnered with a church. And uh, we supply food to the food bank, which is distributed to the community of Red Hook, Brooklyn. We do that. Uh, we've been doing the, uh, we just are getting ready to go and participate in a uh, charity dinner to raise money for uh, children living with the AIDS virus. Mm -hmm. uh, we do a Christmas party with yeah. them every year. I knew you, I knew you had. And uh, we do the giveaways with them and with the domestic violence uh, folks also. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. those are some of the things besides getting these guys uh, involved in the community. Uh, Tony was at a uh, meet and greet at the garden doing the NCAA um, 8, I think it was here, okay. last week, week before, a couple okay. of weeks ago, uh, here in New York. And then Earl was there, also Earl Monroe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we set him up over there also. Um, so we are doing a lot of things in the community and trying to make sure all the things that we do are uh, for the kids and the youth in the community. 
I was pretty excited uh, to share uh, Stevie Coulter uh, partnered, you know, with the city and NCAA for the Final Four, and they left uh, $300,000 to Harmon Park, something that he's, you know, in charge of reaching 18,000 kids in a a year, and uh, just totally renovated this place, and, you know, so that's something that we did over the Final Four, and it was great to see Stevie out there representing and uh, showing that huge difference being made in the community, so, you know, just to hear all these stories all the time, witness them, you know, and and get to see, and, and, and and even the emails, I remember you had received an email from someone who was just praising all the things that you were doing. I, I liked it so much, I believe I wrote it word for word in, in Rebound Magazine. Yeah, you so did. you just keep doing it. You know, you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you did uh, write, write it in word for yeah. word. And we're trying. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's nothing more uh, gratifying than seeing a kid happy or smile on someone's face that you really helped. That's their satisfaction. It's not that you get a check. It's not that uh, you're getting any kind of praise, but it's just that smile that you see on the youth's face. And once that happens, you know, okay, yeah, I'm on the right path. Yeah. I did the right thing. Yeah. And you were once that youth. You know, you were once that kid. Let's go back yeah. a few years. You know, when when did you have brothers, sisters? When did you know basketball was going to be what you do? Where were you born and raised? You know, give me a little background when you were you know, well, coming up. I was born in uh, D.C. and uh, Washington, D.C. Okay. And I played everything then, uh, football, basketball, and baseball in high school and in uh, at Villanova. I played football and, and uh, basketball. Um, I didn't know that. I, huh. Yeah. Hmm. And um, I guess down in, in uh, Washington when I was in junior high school, uh, Rabbit, uh, Elgin Baylor, we called him Rabbit, <laughs> um, we used to come to the playground and shoot uh, at Banneker where uh, I lived in the neighborhood. And I used to shoot with him or hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't too much interested in basketball. I liked football, and I ran track. Uh, so it was those things uh, that I enjoyed doing. But slowly but surely, uh, I got into John Carroll High School. Um, went to school with John Thompson and another guy named uh, George Leftwich, Wally Jones. Um, Joy, I'm sorry, not Wally. It was uh, that was in Philadelphia. George Leftwich and uh, uh, Monk Malloy, who became the president of Notre Dame. We all grew up together. Okay. And uh, played in D.C. and in high school. Mm-hmm. So uh, had some scholarships. A couple Ohio State, uh, Seattle, naturally. Okay. Um, Florida, and I guess about 10 Michigan State. Wow. Those were to play football. And I got out there, and it was so cold, I just said, <laughs> I think I'll stay inside and watch the cheerleaders. boy. boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, basketball, I mean, it seems to me like being as tall as you, you know, 6'9 there, you got big targets out there in the football field. Uh, basketball, and you're so good at basketball, to me, it just, I just can't. What'd you do, what position you play in football? I played in, and in okay. the rain, I played fullback. Okay. That's yeah. no fun. <laughs> sure. Yes, it is. <laughs> you played both ways. You played offense and defense. So you chose Villanova. Uh, yep. wh- why? 
Uh, I felt that uh, Seattle was too far away from home. Michigan uh, was too cold. Ohio State was definitely cold. <laughs> um, the priests, you know, had me locked in also. <laughs> uh, I had an um, engineering teacher that um, mechanical arts, it was called, and he was a Franciscan, and that's what the uh, order, Augustinian, I'm sorry, Augustinian, okay. and that was the order at Villanova, and he was going up to uh, be at Villanova, and I just, you know, he said, don't worry about it, it's going to be all right, you ought to come on up there, you can make the team, you can help us, blah, 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 blah. So, that's where I wound up. Mm. So... When, in your mind, it may, it may have been before you went to college, uh, we're speaking with Tom Hoover, former NBA player. Uh, so it's New York City Tri-State, is that right? What's the, give me your title for the, uh, for the, for the chapter president, the exact one. It's, I think, uh, Metro. Yeah. Yeah, the, the president of New York City. Metro. Uh, which encompasses the tri-state, yep. um, New Jersey and Connecticut. Got it. Okay, wow. so yep. when was the first time you realized, like, that and maybe from other people telling you and from you believing yourself, that you could be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft? Well, you don't realize it. At least back then, you didn't realize it. It's because the play in the NBA, you have to remember, is only two black guys there. One was Earl Lloyd. Mm. Um, and that was the only guy that I really knew. The other was Sweetwater and then the guy up in Boston. But all I knew was Earl Lloyd because he was from Washington. So even though I used to watch the NBA on, on, on Saturday, it came on TV, uh, it wasn't a big deal to say, oh, I'm going to play in the league. I'm going to do this. It was more... Um, if I did decide to play uh, basketball, then I would probably go into the league, but it wasn't a thought the way it is now because it wasn't as publicized. It wasn't as popular. Uh, guys just had a, uh, it was either the Globetrotters, mm-hmm. which was the only real basketball team that you knew and the only outlet for uh, uh, African-Americans at that time mm-hmm. before the league took uh, Earl Lloyd. And he so was the first. Was 58, 59, yeah. Yeah. 60. What? Uh, 59, 58, 59, yeah. When, um, when was your tie-in, and I, I want to touch a little bit on Wrecker Part 2. How does that tie-in? What were the dates then? Is that after, obviously? The record part. Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, I know you were involved with them. Were you involved with them uh, most recently? But then, even at, at way back in the day, did you ever get tied in there at all at Rucker Park, or was your since? Oh, at Rucker. Yeah, Rucker Park. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all played at Rucker. That was the only place to play. Yeah. Okay. So I thought. You know, when I got, um, I guess, uh, in high school. We used to play, uh, when I was in, I went to Philadelphia, to Villanova. There was always the games in the summertime of Philadelphia versus New York. Uh-huh. And that was the real um, games that everybody came out to see. 
uh, Rucker was there and the park was there, but it wasn't as popular when I was in high school as the high school Philadelphia game was. So when we played, I played against the Hawk, Connie. I played yeah. against Jackie. They were on the same team, Roger Brown, because they all played in New York, and I played in the college game, and they played in the college game. Wilt played in the, uh, what you call it, in the uh, pro game. Mm -hmm. And then the following year, I guess I must have been a sophomore, I played in the pro game against those three guys. And, I, you know, you can't beat Connie Hawkins, Jackie no. Jackson, yeah. and, and, and Roger Brown. <laughs> I mean, it was just impossible yeah. to win yeah. in that uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, Rutgers became Rucker, uh, I guess, when I was in, I guess, 62. Okay, yeah, so we are about uh, right And that's there. when the pros, we used to play on the weekend. And that was it on the cement, right? And it was, you know, fairly uh, competitive. It was very competitive and well attended. Wasn't there just tons of people it coming out, well sitting attended. everywhere? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it didn't really blow up. Um, it was always that local because all the pros played there. Will played. Uh, Woody Salisbury, Willie Knowles. Uh, yeah. And I've just learned a lot of these names in the meantime. around with uh, Dr. J. When okay. he came, uh, Cowens came up there and played. Right. It, it, that's when it really got that. That's when guys were hanging off the roofs and yeah. hanging off the fence. And, and that, that was like early 70s, there. right? Wasn't that... Er, yeah. Around there, yeah, early seventies, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was like uh, it really blew up, and then basketball was blowing up, blowing up at the same time because it was beginning to be seen more and more on television instead of just that one Saturday game that was there or that one Sunday game that came on. And then people uh, were impressed about things that you could do at the basketball, you know, and that's really why the ABA was so much more popular than the NBA because it was more like the Harlem Globetrotters. Well, it, it, you know, they had the red, white, and blue ball. Yeah. They had a three-point shot. Mm -hmm. they, you know, it was more uh, of a uh, freewheeling kind of uh, situation as opposed to come down and run number three. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, come yeah. down and run number six. So yeah, it was uh, more freewheeling uh, at that time. So, wow, that was a uh, that was the probably the beginning of it, the popularity of Rucker, and uh, everybody knew who what Rucker was. It, it, you had a Rucker in every city, in every urban setting. There was a Rucker, right, right. Um, and no matter what they called it. Uh, there was a, a ruck. I mean, yeah. when I was at Villanova, we played at A.S. Shampost. That was up in Northeast Philly. Or we played okay. over at, um, damn, I can't think of the name of the. You're um, doing better than I. You're, you're naming <laughs> some things that I, yeah. <laughs> you're doing pretty yeah, good. Yeah, we played. Oh, that was the first time I saw Earl Monroe oh, uh, yeah, yeah. play. Yeah. So, it, there, it, it, because everybody that was anybody 
came to the park, that one park, and played. Just like in D.C., it was Banneker. We, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody who could play basketball came to that park and played. And every Saturday, they would be there. So it, 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 uh, every city had that one park. It just so happens Rucker blew up. Right. So, Tom, I got a question for you, and this is... Yeah. I, um... I'm a little bit younger, but I've watched a lot, and I, I, I'm a historian when it comes to the game of basketball. Um, who was the best player you ever saw on the concrete or blacktop at Rucker? At Rucker? Yeah. I mean, there were a lot. There was a guy called Helicopter. There was a guy... Uh, um. Man, I can't think. Is there is there one there's one that made it to the NBA that you saw first at Rucker? No. Nah. I mean there was Joe Hammond who could shoot the lights out mm-hmm. of anything. I know of him. They they couldn't even guard him, but Joe wanted to hang out in the street. Um there was uh Pee at uh, Kirkland. He could have made it. Um he played at Rucker also. Hmm. But he was a street guy. Um, helicopter. I saw him dunk on Wilt. Um, he could have made it. Uh, the Czar, uh, Ed, he, uh, he was just a wizard with the basketball. Hmm. I mean, dribble, yeah. crossover, all that stuff that the guys are doing now. He did then, and they couldn't guard him. So there were several guys that were good and could have made the league. The best guy out of all of that, I think, all around probably was Joe Hammond. Yeah, that's the name that I know. That's that's a trip. Well, listen, yeah. are you good to stay with us for another segment? Yeah, go Okay, excellent. So we're going to break a little early here so we can get a little bit more bulk on the other side. Uh, Tom Hoover, former NBA player. We're going to talk about the NBRPA a little bit on the other side. I do want to ask him, he doesn't know this yet, about the structure of the NBA and how it's played now and how it's star-driven, what he thinks about it. I think Maddie has a couple of questions, too. On the other side, Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Tom Hoover on the line. We'll be right back. Rebound Radio. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Final segment, an elongated final segment, because we want to get as much in as we can with uh, Tom Hoover on the line, former NBA player, um, New York City Metro uh, chapter president for the NBRPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about comb-overs uh, <laughs> during the break, so you, you didn't miss much. No. Uh, we're going to get back into it. We've been talking Rucker Park. Um, Tom went to Villanova. Uh, great program there. He said he talked to Jay Wright. Would have hit that shot that the kid hit at the buzzer to win the championship. So we've talked about a lot. Um, let's jump into, and I want to ask you right away, and you don't have to give me long-winded, but I'm, I'm always curious when we bring people on. I asked Matt this plenty of times. When you knew that your NBA career was no longer, what was your first thought? What was your first emotion when it happened? Uh, when uh, Dr. Jake dunked on me and I couldn't block it. Mm. And that was like, I figured my hand got caught in the, in the, uh, the rim because I came from the opposite side. And... Um, my hand got caught in the rim. This was in Rucker. And then he came down again and swooped around and dunked it. And I was like, yeah, it's time to go. Because <laughs> I had never heard of him. But all the kids knew who he was. So, you know, we're like in the NBA. Who is this guy? And you freshman at University of Mass. Gonna come out here and play us? Sure enough, <laughs> he came out and played. <laughs> yeah. And at that, that stage, it's like, you know, it hits you. You know it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when, you, when you realize that if you're honest with yourself, and that's the main thing, you've got to be honest with yourself. If you're honest with yourself, it's time for you to go look for another job. Yeah. Mine was more of a frustration thing. You know, they say you lose a step, but I swear it might have been two steps. <laughs> You're like, oh. And not uh, the country dance. <laughs> I used yeah, to. It, it, you, know. you, you lose the step, yeah. you know, and it really does. Uh, you know, you're 32 years old, yeah. and it's like, yeah, this is it. Mm, I can't do this. That's right where I was, too. I was about 32 years old, and I was yeah. like, I can't quite Your do legs, this. you know, you, because you remember you've been doing this since you were 10. Yeah. So, oh. what was the next move? When you woke up, you are like, okay, what am I going to do now with the rest of my life? What was the first thing you wanted to do, and did you execute it, or did you go elsewhere? 
No, the, the next thing I did prior was uh, I went to play. I mean, I went to play. I went to work for John Lindsay. We always, I always had a job. Yeah. You always had a job because I didn't make the kind of money Matt made. You. So, <laughs> what me? You, I didn't make. You had yeah. Wasting money these uh, guys were making. Uh, yeah. You these know, my guys. first paycheck, they offered me seventy five hundred dollars. Guys get fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand, and meal money. So I held out because I wanted seventeen five. I finally went to camp. I think it was two weeks later. And uh, for ten thousand five hundred, so there was no whole big amount of money that was to be made. So I always had to have a job. So I started working for uh, in government, and I went to work for John Lindsay, who was the mayor of New York City. So I mean, it just—I didn't miss a beat. Yeah, I just knew I had to work. And well, I've been working ever since. That was a good move just to step right into it. Some of them set back, and I may be one of those that are guilty of it, trying to figure out, am I really done? You know, and so, well, I, you know, I went through all that. Yeah, I mean, you guys look at what, but you, you got to remember, times were different. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to go to work. Um, they offer you 70, you had number six, you number one draft choice, the sixth guy in the country, and they tell you, $7,500, and we'll give you a summer job. That was what uh, Eddie Godley told me. I'll give you a summer job. So what was the summer job? Summer job was driving a yellow cab in Philadelphia. Mm. So you had to find, you know, you yeah. had to have a job. Yeah. You guys made money. Uh, the guys that came behind Matt making money. Mm -hmm. Now, the like I said, the meal money is up to twenty five, thirty thousand. private jets. Mm. You know, we rode bus. We took a bus down to Philadelphia. Mm. We rode the train. The first flight we had was out to California. We played the Lakers or the Warriors. Did Jeff stop halfway and fill up for gas? No. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh. you know, I always had that work ethic. Yeah. So, you know, it was there from the beginning. Well, and you've had some very interesting jobs in the meantime, yeah. and and I said it before, I, I remember one time you and I sat down and shared a bottle of wine, and, and by the time I was done with it, I was truly amazed at some of the stories that were coming out your mouth. It was funny. It was just <laughs> funny, man. And uh, I know we talked about Richard Pryor, and I know, I know you, you had managed and, and, and did some of that. Can, can I touch base a little on that? Can you share a little about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I, I was in uh, New York, and a friend of mine, uh, Sam, um, was working for, he was one of two black guys, uh, African-Americans, up at William Morris Agency. Okay. <laughs> one of them was Sam. The other one was uh, Famous Amos, which he broke off and started making the Famous Amos cookies. Cookies. So, Small brand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sam said to me one day, um, come on, we're going to ride down to um, New Jersey somewhere to see a band. And I uh, said, man, I'm not going down to New Jersey to see some band. He said, come on, come on, we'll go ride down there. 
it's a band I want to sign. I said, yeah, all right. His wife and my wife, Sheila, were good friends. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason, that's how I got to be friends with Sam, and that's how I got down there. So anyhow, long story short, went down there, and the band that he signed was Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and I had no clue who Bruce Springsteen wow. was. Well, I suppose no one did at that time, but everyone does now. Yeah, no, they didn't. We went in this joint Nashville, and I'm like, "You got to get out of here! I'm like, get me out of here!" <laughs> so we came back, and then he—I uh, guess it must have been a week later—he said, um, "You want to go on the road with Richard?" I said, "Richard's crazy, man." He <laughs> yeah. said, Well, they're looking for somebody. I said, "All right, I'll take it." And that's how I got in it. I got on the road with Rich Pryor, hmm. stayed with him until I had enough, <laughs> uh, which was about six or seven months, Ooh. because I couldn't. I didn't like L.A. Hmm. And he wanted you, like most geniuses and most people in the entertainment business, you have to be at their beck and call 24-7. And I wasn't that kind of guy. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. Yeah. So, uh, had to go on. Stayed with him for a while, <laughs> uh -huh. and um, then went with the Spinners for three years. With the Spinners, right, right. Had Natalie. Natalie Cole. For a yeah. year and yeah. a half. Right. And, <laughs> so uh, cool. That's awesome. Uh, I love yeah, it. You know, it just, but you're dealing with personalities. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the last guy to go to bed at night, you're the first one to wake up in the morning because you've got to make sure it all goes right. And you could go out there and it can be a giant party, but if something happens, you're going to get blamed for it. And, and since I was in charge of everything, <laughs> I made sure that everything worked all right. So right. Then he did it for those you. Were the, those you? were the days back in the day. <laughs> then, of course, you oh, know, smaller bands, GQ, I yeah, had yeah. Uh, D-Train. Okay. And then I just had enough of that road. Because well, I was, um, I don't know where I was, in Birmingham somewhere, and Eddie Levert uh, said to me, you know, you, you, you ought to come out with us, man. I said, nah. <laughs> then I got to California, and Don Canoes was saying, yeah, well, you know, we got a group, the Whispers, you. I said, nah. I had oh. enough. <laughs> I had enough. <laughs> because, yeah. it, you know, you're riding a bus for 40 days. I mean, Richard and I, we did 62 one-nighters with Earth, Wind, and Fire. He never told the same joke twice. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he was just that, that, he was a genius. Yeah, he's hilarious. That, you know, that guy was, he was just something else. Was he, um, was he turned off when he wasn't on stage? Or was he the same no, person? he was always on. Always he was always on. on. It was just natural. Yeah. yeah. I knew Richard from being in New York. I used I tried to be a comedian. Don't laugh. But I did a lot of things. <laughs> and I did the whole Playboy Club circuit. You know, one year they thought that uh, since I was an athlete and I was tall and I could tell jokes. So I had some guys writing some stuff for me. Yeah. Didn't go well. Uh, I went and played in Washington, D.C., my hometown. All my boys were sitting in, in the audience. They, they booed me off the <laughs> Yikes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that wasn't for me. Um, but we, I used to do this thing uh, Christmas in June for, for uh, Bob Tish. 
And the Tishes own the Lowe's Hotel Corporation and own the Lowe's Movie Theaters. They also, now they own the Giants, you know, part of the Giants. Um, the Myra family brought the Tishes in. So we used to do this thing at the Apollo for uh, called uh, Christmas in June, where I would come up and give out toys for uh, kids in the neighborhood. And I started hanging out at the Apollo all the time with uh, Honey Coles. And um, I saw uh, Flip Wilson. Mm -hmm. I saw Richard. I saw Richard in the village. I saw cars mm -hmm. in the village. Because everywhere you played pips, they played. Mm -hmm. When I was trying to be a um, comedian, I would play and watch these guys. But these guys are natural. Yeah. So Richard was a naturally funny guy all the time. Yeah. It, it wasn't, I want to be funny tonight, and then I cut it off. If you're a comedian, it's in you. It's something, nobody can write stuff. You are taking, just like George Carlin, I, you know, used to watch him. He, it's natural. It's everything that's natural. You know, he, his whole thing was, my stuff's got stuff. Of course, he used a different terminology, but it's right. And if you look around, your stuff has stuff. Yeah. You got so much stuff, you don't know what to you do, know with, what your to do stuff. with yourself. You know, and he would say something else about it. Or he would call it something else, I should say. But Richard was always on. Yeah. If we went out to eat, you had to eat quick because he would come out with something or some girls he'd be rubbing on the <laughs> some young lady's back and come out with something out of his mouth that you'd just look at him and then bloop, all your food would go out. Right. No. <laughs> So you had to eat quickly. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was always on there. So, Tom, listen, I got some bad news. We got to get out of here in about a minute. Um, yeah. This has been my favorite interview so far. I just love Tom. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, I would like to get this. I haven't asked Matt about this yet. I would like to get you back on in the next week or two. I want to pick your brain about the NBA now. I feel like you give a lot of insight coming from when it was first budding to now when it's star run and the money's gushing and everything like that. So hopefully in the next week or two we can get you back on for 20 minutes to just talk shop, and I would love to pick your sure. brain about it. Sure. Great. No problem. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, I love Tom. all the stories. A lot of great insight. Thanks a lot. You got it. Take, Take care. care. Man. Yeah. I don't want to go. We should have blew We should have. the coolest. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so uh, that was great. So, NBRPA, we have two minutes left. you got to tell me something, Matt Fish, that's coming up in 100 seconds, which will leave us 20 seconds 100 to spare. seconds? Well, first of all, I want to thank Tom for being on the show. You know, he's, he's always a, a great person to tell stories. I could tell you, I could just do a three- or four-hour show with that guy. He's, he's got stories that just goes on and on and I would on. love to bring it. Seriously, I would love to I bring him back, back on. Too. He's a busy man. I was I happy to get him out. I've been yeah. trying to get him on for a while. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the next thing we got coming up uh, got postponed for another month, but we're looking to put on that um, um, uh, shooting for peace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's our next thing that we're going to do. It's going to be, it looks like, at this new Harmon Park. Okay. And in about um, six weeks, maybe a little bit longer, but we're certainly going to do it. Uh, it was supposed to happen in like a week, 
but we had that conversation. We decided it'd be best to push it back just because it was too close to the Final Four. Sure. So uh, that's my update on that, but uh, there'll be something uh, to update next week for sure. Yeah. I mean, we're just rolling along here. Good things coming from Rebound Radio, Rebound Magazine, NBRPA. Matty Fish, the Phoenix Chapter President. Um, we got to get out of here. Thanks again to Tom Hoover, uh, the New York City Metro Chapter President. Got it last time. Yeah. Got it. Um, for Matt Fish, I'm Alex Clancy. Thanks. Oh. This is Rebound Radio. We'll see you guys next yeah. week. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week. <laughs>